Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. Music and welcome back to Masters of Modern. Uh, I'm your host today, Michael Grothy, uh, and I'm here with our guest, uh, Ruben Bresler. Hi. <clears throat> How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, Alex uh, is out of town for basically the whole month of October. So I'm going to be hosting with various guests, including Ruben. Uh, so, and then, uh, yeah, Ben is, uh, is also out of commission for now. Right. So um, we are going to get started. We're going to talk about how Eldraine is affecting modern because we talked about it last week. But there is even more cool stuff. Uh, and also we can hear... You know, Ruben's take on modern. Yeah, modern's in a, is in a actually really good spot right now. Um, getting rid of faithless looting, uh, I think everybody knew was going to shake it up, but they didn't know if the shakeup was going to end up leading to another unhealthy kind of format with Mox Opal and uh, Ancient Stirrings being the top dogs. Yeah, those were like the three cards everybody always talked about banning, and then you know one of them finally got banned. Right, exactly. <laughs> and it, there was a minute there where we thought that Faithless Looting was going to be the next brainstorm. There was going to be just a tacit understanding. We know it's broken, but we're going to leave it. Yeah. Um, but uh, it turns out that getting rid of Faithless Looting led to a really nice proliferation of a wide variety of decks in Modern. Yeah, totally. And then, you know, Faithless Looting getting banned, Stoneforge getting unbanned, Modern Horizons getting introduced to the format, War of the Spark getting introduced to the format, now Eldraine getting introduced to the format. There's, like, been a ton of power level added to the format, as yeah. well as, like, Faithless Looting being removed, and it really just, like, shook things up. I was a little concerned, a little concerned, with Stoneforge. Um, my whole thing with Stoneforge is that you're not really un you're not really opening a ton of play space with stoneforge you're just introducing a six card package into a couple of other decks yeah i mean like i think <laughs> that the big argument against stoneforge that i was seeing was um that you uh it like kind of homogenizes mid-range decks yeah. because like if you're a mid-range deck that isn't playing stoneforge then are you just worse than the ones that are playing mid-range decks so then you end up with like Bant mid-range and Abzan mid-range and Mardu mid-range and like decks that can play Stoneforge, right? right. But uh, I feel like we're not actually seeing that. It's actually not a problem. Uh, the, the the issue I was, it, it would have been a problem if we were seeing Jund splashing Stoneforge. Yeah, we haven't, I think that would be we, the good indicator. We haven't really seen that. Um, you know, there are no old school Ajundi decks, right? Like we're not yeah. accidentally splashing Stoneforge into our, our Tarmogoyf Abrupt Decay Lightning Bolt decks. Yeah, it seems like the decks that are playing Stoneforge nowadays are just generally built around Stoneforge, right. like what you would expect. Which is healthy. Just kind of, yeah. Yeah, which is healthy and good. So, so that yeah. was a good on them, good unbanned. Um, but yeah, before we get too far into it, let me do my announcements. I have a cheat sheet so I don't uh, miss anything Fabulous. since I'm... Uh, you know, not as experienced of a host as Alex or Ben. So we've got, uh, yeah, I'm going to shout out the Monsters Modern Twitter. Uh, we're at the MMCast on Twitter. Uh, Alex is at Kess Wiley. Ben is at Ben Bateman Media. I am at Dudard, D-U-D-A-R-D-D. And if you want to follow Ruben. Uh, I am on everywhere at M-O-X-R-E-U-B-Y, Mox Ruby. Awesome. Uh, we also have a YouTube. If you are listening to this in podcast form and you don't know that we have a YouTube or you've never been there, check it out. Like the video, subscribe, comment. Uh, yeah, I mean, all that engagement helps that a lot on YouTube. 
Um, and you also get to, you know, see our beautiful faces. Yeah. Um, YouTube is, is mostly good. how, how I consume this podcast. Awesome. So. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's good to hear. I'm glad that people are watching over there. Um, I know that the podcast has been successful for so long and uh, video is pretty new to us. So it's yeah. good to, good to know that people are enjoying it. We also have a Facebook group on Facebook. Uh, it's like <clears> a great <throat> place to talk about modern. There's, uh, it's like a huge, huge group to the point where like a lot of the members don't even know there is a podcast. Right. Every time we mention it on there, people are like, wait. What podcast? Right. But it's uh, because there's so many people, it's a great place to talk about modern. You get a lot of different opinions in there. Um, and, you know, deck discussion, bandless discussion, all that type of stuff. Um, it's just the Masters of Modern official Facebook group. Right. Um, we also recently started up a Masters of Standard group because people kept posting about Standard in there. And we were like, we'll just make a group for you. Good. Uh, <laughs> there's not, it's not a podcast it's just kind of related to the group more than it's related to the podcast but if you know you've been playing standard on arena the way um i have sure same. where i'm did it i was never really a standard player um i played it in a couple of gps because they were local but uh now that arena i've been playing standard a lot and so that group is a good place to kind of post your list and be like hey what do you guys think i'm a right. modern player i don't know much about standard help me out <laughs> yeah exactly i'm playing daily to just do my quests but i'd also <laughs> like to win yeah so Winning's you know good Right. If I'm playing my 25 lands and killing my 40 creatures, I'd like to go up a rank. And so that's a that's a good spot to be in. Totally. Um, we've also got a Patreon. Uh, it always helps to support us on Patreon. You get access to uh, uncut episodes where we kind of have little side conversations before the show while we're getting all the audio set up and things. Um, and... Yeah, so that's that's a good reward that we've got going. Also, you know, it's great to support the show. And uh, as our community grows, we're able to also grow the Patreon, uh, you know, benefits. Uh, you also There's also access to some Patreon-exclusive channels on Discord, where we sometimes post cool deck lists that we've found, kind of discuss with people in there, um, which we also have a Discord channel. I believe Marshall's been posting it on the the link to it on our YouTube. It's, it's open to everybody, but you get access to a couple of uh, Patreon-exclusive channels. Um, if you're a Patreon subscriber and also our, uh, also check out our sister podcast, the command zone. Uh, they talk everything commander. It's a great show. I, you know, it's the biggest commander show around, uh, and they do great stuff. So if you were also interested in commander, uh, check them out for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Now that that's all out of the way, let's, uh, get to some modern. So yeah, I mean, Marshall and I talked a little bit last week about kind of what we were hoping to see come out of Eldraine and make a splash in modern, as well as a little bit of what we were seeing. Uh, what uh, What is your initial take, or what was your initial take on Eldraine and modern? My initial thought with Eldraine going into modern was um, typically the same with every set. I look for, uh, well, for the first thing I look for in modern is free spells. Um, and so once upon a time was the first thing that went on my radar for modern and legacy and totally. vintage. I mean, you know, anytime something says cast this for free, it's a problem yeah. you know, or potentially a problem. Right. Um, we actually, I mean, we've seen a little bit of that, but it hasn't been nearly as ubiquitous as I thought it was going to end up being. Um, so do you think that people are sleeping on the card or maybe we just haven't found the right shell that really breaks it? Or I think it's, the... I think it's a tough card to find the right shell for. Yeah. I think that it does a interesting ancient stirrings impression. It does not do an ancient stirrings impression. Right. And, and keep in mind, it took ancient stirrings years before it became the powerhouse that it is. That's true. 
Um, and so you need to find, because of the, you know, what the card does, what the card finds, lands and creatures, you need to find, it really is best not in a value shell, but in a combo shell. And so you yeah, want I agree with that. land combo and creature combo uh, to be able to utilize it. So the first thing I thought of was um, was uh, Hexmage Deaths for Legacy. But then talking about uh, uh, modern decks like Amulet Titan, decks like Gorio's Vengeance, um, other, you know, Thespian Stage style strategies um, also. Those are the kinds of decks that I was probably thinking more of with, with Once Upon a Time. Yeah, and Amulet Titan is similar to a lot of those decks where it's like a combo of, you know, a, a land and a creature doing some busted stuff. They need an artifact to help them out a lot of the time. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, that deck we have seen is generally just playing yeah three or four Once Upon a Time now and um, and as well as uh, the Neo brand decks that everybody predicted. It'll right. help you find your low land count lands if you need a second right. land or it'll help you find your um allosaurus rider right exactly it's being able to swap out the faithless looting pretty much directly for the once upon a times uh kind of helped with that you're you're able to put the cards in the graveyard in a different way but still digging deeper into your library um in those kinds of decks to, yeah. to get your allosaurus rider get your you know uh your ilharg get your whatever creature it is that you need at the time um, the other thing that I always, now, now we live in this world where three mana planeswalkers are ridiculous. So every three mana planeswalker that comes out has, is a threat. Yeah. Honestly, I thought the Royal Scions was going to be the card of I the two. I still think the Royal Scions have legs. I oh, actually, for sure. I actually have a, a, uh, Grixis Death Shadow list with a couple of Royal Scions in nice. here that we'll talk about when we start talking about specific lists. But, but Yeah. We have two three-mana Planeswalkers in the set, which is certainly something to look at. Right. And you know what I just realized? I'm going to interrupt this conversation for one second. I didn't tell all the viewers who you are. Oh, so hi. Yes. Who who are you? <clears throat> hi, everybody. I'm the Internet's Ruben Bressler, uh, the M- Mox Ruby. Um, I am one of the co-hosts of the Magic Mike's podcast. Great That's podcast. M-A-G-I-C-M-I-C-S, every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern. That's 5 p.m. Hawaiian, for those of you playing along at home. We talk about the week that was in Magic the Gathering. Um, pretty much a, a, a news roundup McLaughlin group kind of show with myself, Aaron Campbell, and Evan Irwin. I am also the Dungeon Master for The Broken Pact on the Dungeons & Dragons official twitch and youtube channel and podcast um we are presently in season three you can catch that live on twitch.tv slash dnd at 8 p.m on monday nights and that's a uh that's a dungeons and dragons live play show right and it's and it's based on the uh ravnica right book originally yes it, it so we were the official guild master's guide to ravnica show right and for so, two seasons my players uh grew up and lived and worked and did adventures there and then they accidentally got shunted into another plane which that's how it works in, uh, in magic works. right sometimes you get shunted to another plane that's but right. yeah so if uh if you guys are know that there was this D magic crossover and never really checked it out and wanted to see what's going on with all that the broken pact is a great place to kind of get a feel for what D on ravnica looks like at Absolutely. least the first two seasons are yeah um i know when it came out i was pretty excited to see all this and i watched the first season of Broken Pact. Um, I fell a little bit behind due to 
there being an infinite amount of content to of consume course. on the internet. But mm. when it's when uh, Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica first came out, I was pretty excited about it, and I knew that I didn't have time myself for a campaign, so I watched yours. So season <laughs> three, we're actually uh, slightly shorter episodes um, because I'm I have decided that I mean we decided that uh, two hours is like a better sure. time frame to do it in. I still use a bunch of the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica stuff. All of my players are still. Ravnica backgrounds. Yeah. They're still Yeah, there's a Loxodon in the party, which is like a pretty yeah. magic specific creature that yeah. you gotta make sure. <laughs> and this season in Avernus, which is the first level of hell, they're really bringing Ravnica with them. And I wanted to showcase how you can bring your background as a Ravnica person or really anything into another place. And that's uh, awesome. There's a lot of that. I use magic cards as my items that I hand out to my players when oh, they find stuff. Clever. So yeah. It's that's a lot great. of crossover. That's great. Um, okay, so now that now that we've gotten into that, I realized I had forgotten that as a uh, relatively novice podcast host myself. Um, let's get back into Eldrain stuff. We were talking right. about three mana planeswalkers. I, yeah, I mean, Oko obviously is was always going to be the standard standout because it is a three mana planeswalker that jumps up to six and immediately. So does the Royal Science value? Does Royal Science also? Royal Science also jumps up to six. Let me double check here. I got a, a list pulled up with Royal Science, and I can just hover I over. It, oh wow, it does. Yeah, they wow, start at five down and plus five. one. Jeez. Yeah, the old three mana planeswalker that goes up to six and it's with two thing. plus ones. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, and Oko's got a plus two and a plus one. <clears throat> so the thing about the Royal Science is it doesn't really protect itself. Yeah, it doesn't affect the board. Right. Uh, whereas Oko doesn't also, but can. Right. At After least it, two turns, you can generate a blocker from nothing. Right. And you can also, like, immediately, you know, depending on if you already have blockers or whatever, you can neutralize in one of your opponent's threats. You can turn your Birds of Paradise into a 3 3 or your Arkham's Astrolabe or something. But and both so. do eventually. I mean, the Royal Scions does a pretty decent Dak Faden impression. Um, yeah. You know, which was a, a standout in vintage. So yeah, you know, and it gets played in legacy every once in a while. Right. I mean, it's a little bit out of favor right now, just because of where the metagame is at. But right. you see Dak in like four color planeswalker lists, right? You know, from time to time. The, the fact of the matter is that both of these, every time a three mana planeswalker is printed, regardless of whether it's to uh, you know three mana Teferi or Nissa or Liliana the Last Hope, I mean, yeah. it's gonna, it's worth looking at in modern and that's already borne out a little bit um <clears throat> there's more room for the royal silence to grow i feel whereas oko has popped up in some random places like yeah. just all over the place there's, there's less to say about the royal silence so i want to talk about them first we so um I think the trick with the Royal Scions is that, like, obviously, plus one draw a card and then discard a card is going to be powerful in a lot of different shells. It's a three mana effect, so it's not necessarily something you're playing in, like, Dredge or whatever because it's a little bit too expensive for, like, fast graveyard combo. But it gives you a little bit of steady graveyard value um, and it's card selection, which is always powerful. I think the trick to the Royal Scions is figuring out how to use the other plus one. Mm. Um, the target creature gets plus two plus zero oh, and gains first strike and trample until end of turn. Um, and I think that this list that 5 owed uh, on Magic Online that I have brought up here uh, is a Grixis Death Shadow deck where you're playing Death Shadow that obviously gets 7, 7, 8, 8, 9, 9, 12, 12, whatever. Right. Um, giving it plus two plus oh and trample is just going to outright kill your opponent sometimes. And yep. then you're also playing for Gurmag Angler, which is a five, five. Um, and so making those creatures 
giving those creatures trample is going to do a lot against a lot of decks where they can kind of use your low life total to like block and try and race you. Well, my creature has trample. Yeah. Good luck racing me. Uh, as well as like the little bit of graveyard value uh, can be welcome and in some uh, Death Shadow decks because you have Gurmag Angler. This deck is also playing two Jace Vryn's Prodigy and three Snapcaster Mage, which I think Jace and the Royal Scions are also great friends, although he doesn't use the plus one as well. But the looting, having like all that looting um, makes for a lot of cards in your graveyard if you care about that. Yeah. Um, the other place I've seen the Royal Scions, uh, and I don't know if any of these decks have had a lot of success. I haven't found one, but if uh, anybody does find one, please tweet it at me because I'm super interested in seeing Royal Scions decks in action, um, is with Dreadhorde Arcanist. Oh, okay, sure. Because Dreadhorde Arcanist uh, is the 1-3 trample when it attacks. You uh, cast an instant or sorcery from your graveyard with converted mana cost equal to or less than its power. Uh, and it's a 1-3. So generally, you're flashing back maybe an Inquisition of Kozilek or a Lightning Bolt or an Opt or something like that. But with the Royal Scions, you can now flash back three drops. So if in a Grixis shell with that... You're, you want to play a lot of one-drops in case you don't have the Royal Scions out to make sure your Dreadhorde Arcanist does something. Mm-hmm. You can also flash back like a Coligan's Command. Right. Or like, yeah, um, I think Coligan's Command is the real selling point on that one. Yeah. I like that. And it also feeds your Dreadhorde Arcanist. So if you go turn one, comes into play tap land, turn yeah. two Arcanist, turn three Scions, loot, cast a one for three for yeah. free anyway. Yeah, that's really strong. Yeah, and then, you know, maybe they kill your Arcanist, you get it back with Coligan's Command, you replay the Arcanist, you swing in for three and get back the Coligan's Command and do a million different things because that's what Coligan's Command does. Um, So I really like that combo. I don't know if it's seen a lot of success on Magic Online yet. I've been keeping my eye out, but I haven't haven't noticed. But I'm hoping, I'm pulling for it. Um, So yeah, and then... That's that's the main places places we're seeing the Royal Scions. I think the key is using the uh, the other plus one. As far as Oko goes, um, over the weekend we saw a little bit of Oko in Wurza, which was a somewhat surprising place to see it for me. Uh, there's some people playing it sideboard, um, and then some people playing one or two in the main deck. But what's interesting about that is like Oko comes down and makes an artifact. And that's not something we've seen people using. It's more like Oko is life gain. Oko can get rid of, you know, opponents threats by making them into three threes, right. kind of catch all answer to stuff right. as opposed to like a card that's making mock sapphires every turn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was a surprising use of Oko, but now that you see it, it's, you know, three mana plus two, go up to six, make another permanent on the board. I mean, it took a while before people figured out clues yeah. in terms of value. Obviously the, the, the drawing a card off of a clue was super obvious, but using the clues for, um, affinity or using the clues for getting to the city's blessing or different ways <clears throat> to use the clues. Food is a lot less intuitive in that way. Yeah. Because Be- it's draw cards. It's when draw you see card. draw cards, you're like, ah, oh, this is obviously good. When you see game life, you're like, eh, yeah, maybe against yeah. burn or something. Right. <laughs> Food, adorable, right? Uh, we, but not modern playable alongside Urza. Yeah. But turns out feeding Urza every turn is uh, is a pretty spectacular combo. Yeah. And also with Goblin Engineer, it gives you a little bit of resilience to like a Shatterstorm or something like that, where like all your artifacts are gone. Your Goblin Engineer now does nothing. But if you have an Oko on the board, Shatterstorm doesn't kill Oko. Oko 
excuse me, Oko can make a food and then you can immediately. Yeah, that's good. Sacrifice to goblin engineer to get something back and, you know, start your engine back up, um, which I also think is interesting. Um, I've also seen, speaking of clues, in some of these uh, Urza decks that are splashing green for Oko, I have seen Tireless Tracker. Mm -hmm. This one that 5-0'd that I pulled up actually doesn't have Tireless Tracker in the sideboard, Hmm. but it's just kind of like a late-game value engine that also kind of produces these artifacts that sit around and and will... You know, tap for mana or sure. sacrifice to a goblin. I mean, even if it's menial value, it's value. There's yeah. still it's it, you know one is not zero. You know, a yeah. food is better than literally nothing. Yeah, and turning your opponent's pithing needle into an elk is also something that you're interested in in yep. this deck. So. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So that's like an unusual home for Oko, but there's also just decks that are like Oko midrange decks. Yeah, he's just like a good enough card to kind of make people interested in playing mid-range decks that contain Oko. Yeah, so, the thing about the 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 blue-green kind of mid-rangey kind of decks that exist already is that the creatures that those decks are playing typically are playing creatures that have value when they enter the value battlefield, and then that's about it. Um, you know, Coiling Oracles and Ice Fang Codals yeah. and Elvish Visionary kind of cards. And really, we didn't see a lot of blue-green mid-range in modern ever until ice camp fan codal ice fan codal was kind of what made people want to start building around blue green yeah. and then we've seen like bant soul herder and we've seen like some sultai mid-range with ice fang kind of a jundish shell but right. with um with blue cards counter spells and instead of lightning bolts but. yeah what's really nice about oko when you're making your ice fanged codal a three three. It's losing flying, but it's staying a snow creature. So yeah, you're you're maintaining actually. your value of the t- of the subtype without having to sacrifice um, uh, too much. You're still losing flying, I suppose, but your ice fang codal is still a snow permanent uh, as a three three elk, which is yeah, which is pretty cool. Snow is a <clears throat> is a super type, right? Yeah. So it says Oko's second ability overwrites all colors and creature types. I'm reading the gatherer rulings because yeah. I th- I wasn't sure about this. Uh, it's just a green elk. The creature keeps any super types like snow, but loses any other card types such as artifacts. Oh, it so it does artifact. lose artifact, okay. but it will keep snow, which is yeah. relevant. Yeah. Okay. Um, it'll also keep legendary, which is interesting because if you like, you know, if your opponent allows you to untap and they have an Urza in play, or maybe they have a sigh, right? You can make their sigh into an elk, mm. um, and they can't play another one because it has the same card name, right? And then. Well, they could. Well, yeah, I guess they sacrifice their elk, though, right? right so yeah. it like they're still losing just, value. It's destroy that target creature, right? Right. At that point, it's a three mana planeswalker that's destroy target creature. Yeah, yeah, because you're destroying their side. Basically, you're turning into a three three. If they want to play another one, they're going to have to sack it because it's legendary. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So yeah, I mean, Oko as value um, is something that I think that we all saw kind of saw coming. Um, the one that I didn't see coming was Oko in like Merfolk. And oh wow, yeah, I, I saw that that's that's, cool. that's a weird one. Um, I, I don't think it's put up any results yet, but it was certainly so getting chatter a, from the Merfolk a, fans. The Merfolk <clears> fans, <throat> they're, they're always they're, they're always around. Yeah, what a are, is was that a main deck Oko or yeah, sideboard? I think that's a main deck Oko. Wow. That's just like getting in there, you know, just like play play my turn one curse catcher or whatever and now i just am being that's cool and it gives you some late game because a lot of times merfolk is kind of like a dump my hand and then like hope they don't have a sweeper situation right um and oko allows you to like well you swept my board but i have a food lying around i'll make it into a three three and hit you (laughs) yeah 
Um, but yeah, one of the cool Oko decks that we saw was like a Sultai Planeswalker deck with. Uh, this I deck, want to talk about this uh, one because this it's deck weird. looks. <clears throat> it looks so weird, and it just makes me mad looking at this deck because this deck is is just the all stars. It's like they didn't even need to build this deck. It was just like, what are the best ten cards from the last five years? Well, realistically, somebody was brave but, enough to put them all in a deck. And I go know for it, so you, that, somebody's got to do it, and so it's this is a really weird, interesting so deck. It starts out looking like a <clears throat> like a Sultai kind of you know blue like a black green rock base where you have four Liliana the Veil, three Inquisition, three Thoughtseize, four Fatal Push, and four Tarmogoyf, which is like a tried and true shell for a deck. Yeah. Never going to go wrong with that. Uh, then they're playing four Ice Fang Kotal, um, which is at home in a deck like this, uh, which brings four Archimaster Label along with it um, because they are like a grindy value card that you might want in your black green deck, right? So, so that's all not very surprising. Uh, the rest of the deck is four Utopia Sprawl, uh, to ramp, which is an unusual include, and then three Oko Thief of Crowns, four Karn the Great Creator, one Jace the Mind Sculptor. So instead of playing more creatures, like a typical rock deck where you're playing like tireless trackers or something like that, they opted for just like the full Planeswalker package and three Oko made the cut. Yeah. Um, and Karn. Like, this is now Karn. a Karn the Great Creator deck. Right. Which is wild. And this is something we've talked about on the show, where we think that Karn is a little bit dangerous for pretty much any format, really, since it got restricted in Vintage, even. But but even for, for Modern, because it can just be slotted into any deck. It is colorless. Every card that it's going to fetch out of your sideboard, for the most part, is colorless. And so, if you are a mid-range deck or a combo deck that wants a backup plan... Karn the Great Creator is just something that you can always lean on no mm -hmm. matter what your deck is. And like Ruben was saying with Stoneforge, that's something that can lead to kind of like a dangerous, dangerously homogenized format. We haven't seen that yet with Karn, but this deck is kind of like... Hinting. Yeah, it's it's hinting at, at what Karn can do, right? Which is be a four drop that slots into any deck and sometimes just wins the game randomly. <laughs> um but yeah, so so the Utopia Sprawl allows you to ramp into turn two Oko, turn two Liliana, uh, you know, turn three Karn or Jace. Um, it's just like a ramp spell, which which is a really interesting. Like this deck is only playing eight creatures, and four of them are Ice Fang Quaddle. So it's you know your opponent if they're playing removal spells would often just have an extra removal spell for your Noble Hierarch or whatever, or your Birds of Paradise. So they opted for Utopia Sprawl instead, which is interesting, because I feel like in Modern, we typically only see Utopia Sprawl in, like, hard ramp decks yeah. playing Arbor Elf, like Ponza or, you know, Tooth and Nail decks or something like that. Um, and this is just, like, a normal, you know, rock-style deck with for Utopia Sprawl in it just to, like, play their Planeswalkers as quickly as possible. Right. <laughs> and not even that many actual forests. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about this. So they're playing four Field of Ruin, and then they have to play the full complement of Snowlands, um, which includes three snow-covered swamps and a snow-covered island to make sure you can cast your double black Lilianas and such. Um, and then two snow-covered forests, two overgrown tomb. That's all the forests in the deck. <laughs> yeah. So you're just hoping to fetch and one eight, with one of your right, eight and fetches. And eight fetch lands, exactly. Right, this right. is such a strange-looking deck, but it also... I mean, you see how it all fits together. It just looks super weird. So, you know what I think? I'm I'm interested to see, like, if these four Utopia Sprawls became four Golden Goose. Sure. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting about Golden Goose that was, um, I read in Sam Black's article uh, that came out this week about 
I read all of Sam Black's articles sure. on Star City. I'm sure the viewers know this by now. But <laughs> but uh, he was saying that, like, uh, Golden Goose is like a – it accelerates your mana one time, and then it generates value. Yep. So four decks that only need their mana accelerated one time um, – Golden Goose is good. And what's interesting about Utopia Sprawl in this deck is a lot of times you'll play Utopia Sprawl and then your opponent like Field of Ruins you on turn three. Sure. But at that point, you've already played Anoko, you've already played a Liliana, or you have like a Tarmogoyf and you Inquisitioned on turn two or yeah. whatever, right? Like you've already gotten the mana out of it and you don't really care if they blow it up at that point, which Golden Goose is in the same spot. Now it can be killed more easily, more quickly because they don't have to, you know, have right. Field of Ruin on turn three. There's plenty of ways to kill a creature for one or two mana in modern. Um, I definitely think that the ceiling is higher on Golden Goose, but the floor is also lower. Right. Like, you open yourself up to... Like, you don't really care if your opponent kills your Ice Fang Kotal. You yeah. don't really care that much if your opponent kills your Tarmogoyf yeah. in this deck, because this is a Karn deck. This deck is a is a control deck, really. Yeah, Karn is your wing con, <clears throat> maybe Jace. Yeah. So, you know, playing Utopia Sprawl turns off your opponent's uh, bolts, for example. Yeah. Um, turns off your opponent's paths. Yeah, um, that is true. Well, path on Golden Goose is fine, right? Yeah. I mean, if they path your Mana Dork here, you're chilling. You're kind of happy. But again, <laughs> you're, they were they were only going to ramp once, and then they yeah. were going to get value. Yeah. So. Yeah, that is true. That is uh, The Utopia Sprawl is just always consistent mana on turn two if it's in your opener, and that's what this deck is looking for. More than a more than a value engine. It's got value aplenty. Yeah, um, exactly. But yeah, that was a cool deck that I wanted to talk about. This other Oko deck that we saw is like a Fairies deck. Um, that is playing Gilded Goose. And then it's also playing um, uh, a few ninjas. It's playing four Ingenious Infiltrator, which you yeah. can attack with Gilded Goose and Ninjutsu, which sure, I think is part of the reason they're playing the <clears throat> Gilded Goose in here. Uh, and then along with their three Okos um, and like a fairy package of four spells, Blutter, Stutter, two Vendillion Click, one Brazen Borrower, the new uh, new fairy on the block, four Ice Fang Kotal, which is like an honorary fairy. Sure. Decks like this exactly <laughs> and two bitter blossom uh as well as some some discard and or uh removal and counter spells one cryptic one drown in the lock four fatal push two force negation one spell snare yeah drown in the lock is an interesting one this one doesn't put a ton of cards into your opponent's graveyards but it's yeah. also just good value yeah it's just it's just a one of right yeah. like it, it'd be a little bit awkward in this deck if it was in your opener but it's like a pretty good top deck it's also fine against you know in a fetch land format you're gonna have more value with drown in the locks so that's good yeah and and what's nice is that it has applications in every single matchup like if your opponent is an aggressive creature deck it kills their creature if your opponent is a combo deck it counters their combo piece if yeah. they're a control deck it can protect one of your spells because it's cheap enough to like reasonably play in the same turn as like a you know brazen borrow on right. their end step or something this deck is another example of you know the creatures that come down have value as they come down ice fang kotal spell stutter mm -hmm. sprite fairy seer an the ingenious infiltrator <clears throat> a lot of yep. the time just hits them immediately and draws a card right and then you can turn them into three threes and continue generating value later with your oko this one also has the oko bitter blossom combo that people were talking about uh originally when they saw oko uh, and we're dreaming of three threes attacking every turn. Yeah, and and Oko can gain life to offset the the yeah. downside of a bitter blossom. I mean, sometimes you like play bitter blossom, and your opponent like bolt snap bolts you, and suddenly like you're almost dead. Yeah. But Oko generating food tokens, and also Gilded Goose in this deck generating food tokens means that like you're almost never gonna die to your bitter blossom. Yeah, really weird, cool deck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that you know Oko is kind of 
making people try interesting stuff to figure out what is the best way to use Oko and Modern because the power level is obviously there, but it doesn't slot into an existing deck. I sure. mean, that's what we're seeing with a lot of the Eldraine cards is like, how do you use Emery? Oh, there's a broken artifact deck. Right. Let's throw her in there. How do you use Once Upon a Time? Oh, there's like a few broken decks that are looking for a particular creature. Let's throw it in there, right? right? Um, and Oko is one of those cards that just didn't quite have a home. Uh, and so people are trying to discover Oko's true home. Yeah. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot of really interesting stuff with Oko. And yeah. the reason we're talking about Oko every single episode. <laughs> so one thing, um, there's a lot of talk about Mystic Sanctuary uh, online because uh, yeah. it's a fetchable land that is like has the potential to not only just slot into decks like Blue-White Control, but also kind of change what you can do in modern a little bit. Yeah. Like I've seen some taking turns variants that are using Mystic Sanctuary to, you know, rebuy time warps so that you can take more turns. <laughs> and I've seen uh, Mystic Sanctuary, like the um, Paradoxical Outcome Urza decks are playing like some Mystic Sanctuaries so that they, you can fetch for it and get your Paradoxical Outcome back on your opponent's end steps. So if they counter it or, you know, thought sees it or whatever, it gives you a little bit of consistency. Um, and... I've seen um, like decks that are looking to loop Cryptic Command with Mystic Sanctuary, where you like tap down your opponent's creatures every turn, bounce your Mystic Sanctuary, or That's counter horrible. a spell, bounce your Mystic Sanctuary, and then just you know draw the same Cryptic Command every turn until you win. Right. Um, and so you know against decks that that's going to beat obviously that doesn't yeah. beat every deck but there's a lot of decks where that is good enough <coughs> it's um, a soft lock at the very least yeah exactly and so mystic sanctuary more more than just being like a good value island that you can always fetch for if your mana base has enough islands um it's kind of changing what you can do in modern and one thing you can do in modern with it is put miracles on top of your deck mm -hmm. so we have a, a blue white list that 5-0'd this week it looks like pretty standard blue white Handful of three mana fairies, handful of five mana fairies, some Jason Mind Sculptors, Snapcaster, Cryptic, Force Negation, Hieroglyphic Illumination, which is, you know, always floating around in the yep. cantrip suite. One Logic, not one mana leak, four Opt, four Path, two Spell Snare. And then one Entreat the Angels and four Terminus. And four Mystic Sanctuary. So this is kind of a return to what we were seeing when Jace first got unbanned, where everybody was like, oh, Jace is unbanned. We can set up our Miracles. And it turned out that that wasn't really the best thing you could do with Jace. I mean, right. it turned out to be good at the time because, like, Dredge was one of the better decks and Humans was one of the better decks. And Terminus was, like, good at disrupting those decks. But it kind of fell off in favor um, just because it was, like, inconsistent. Yeah. Jace is the only card that puts it back on top, and it's, like, a four drop. Um, it just wasn't always doing enough. Yeah, of course. But with Mystic Sanctuary... Boy, <clears throat> you only need two mana on your opponent's turn a fetch land and a white source to be able to use the mystic sanctuary on their turn. Yeah. Cause you fetch, get the mystic sanctuary, put your terminus on top and then opt and then with opt the mystic or sanctuary. hieroglyphic <laughs> illumination yep. or whatever yep. with the mystic sanctuary. And immediately you're yeah. in the terminus during your opponent's combat step. So which with is crazy with, you know, uh, I guess to fairy untapping two lands doesn't quite do it. Cause you need to, you need the mystic sanctuary to already, to fetch for it but right well, yeah i mean you you have a fetch land and one untapped white source right and you can you can do your thing i mean you can certainly go five mana to fairy play a fetch land plus untap and then just have more mana yeah, than you could ever true. need um you yeah. can use the other mana to spell snare their mana leak on terminus or something right. not that you're and it, 
Terminus is good in Manly. The Manly one in Treat the Angels is is pretty uh, different as well, um, because I'm not sure I've seen an Entreat the Angels in a little while. Yeah, well, it's interesting because like the Miracle Suite here is similar to what we were seeing in like Legacy yeah. Miracles at its height, where Terminus is the best card in your deck. It's the reason. You, well, obviously, it's, Legacy like there's a lot of good cards, but, right. but Terminus is kind of like one of the big reasons to play the deck because it's like a one mana removal spell. And it kills everything yeah. that your opponent is doing, right? Your opponent is Dredge. They have a bajillion zombies and an Icarid attacking you on turn two. Who right. cares? It's on the bottom. They're all on the bottom. Your opponent has one Trumnan Nemesis attacking you to death with a Batter Skull on it or something. It doesn't matter. It's on the bottom. Yep. Um, and it does the same thing here. Terminus is the most important miracle. But you also got to win the game. Yeah. And Treat the Angels wins the game. Exactly. Yeah, really cool deck. I yeah. like that one. Yeah, Mystic Sanctuary, I know people think it's specifically a problem for Pauper. Um, I do think that Mystic Sanctuary plus Ghostly Flicker is a bigger problem in Pauper than Mystic Sanctuary plus anything will be in Modern. I think that's probably true. But uh, but it is still something to keep an eye on. Yeah, Pauper is in kind of a rough spot lately <clears> since uh, everybody was kind of hoping that something would get banned yeah. uh, this most, in, most recent uh, period uh, on Monday this week. It was announced nothing was banned in any format. A lot of Popper fans were holding out for Astrolabe. There was one other yeah. card that people wanted to get banned. Do you remember? Other than Astrolabe? Maybe I'm imagining it. I don't think so. I think no. just Astrolabe was the... Yeah, Astrolabe is the big one in, in Popper. Um, but uh, they did announce today uh, that on they're moving the ban list from November mid-November to October 21st. Something like that, yeah. They're the, moving it up before Richmond. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, most folks think that that's probably for standard and yeah. specifically for Field of the Dead. Yeah. Um, it would not hurt my feelings if it were for Pauper and Astrolabe. I doubt that there's much of anything that's going to change in Modern or Legacy. Yeah. I mean, looking at these deck, <clears throat> looking at deck lists, kind of doing research, how is Eldraine doing? You know, were our predictions accurate? Was there anything that surprised us? Um, it looks like there's a lot of awesome stuff happening in modern and I don't No, Yeah. I don't think we have a ban on the horizon. Um, modern looks dope. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but that said standard is a little bit miserable with, with the field of the dead decks, uh, particularly not just being like a very powerful deck, but being a very powerful deck. That's super unfun to play with or against. <laughs> well, and all the big problem in my opinion is that, uh, Alpine moon rotated blood sun rotated, Field of Ruin rotated. Yeah, all at the same time. All at the same time, and nothing replaced them. So the what you yeah, have the to best f- we have is like unmoored ego on Field of the Dead. There's unmoored ego, Assassin's Trophy. Oh yeah, like Flame Sweep. If you want to deal with it that way, well, dealing with the zombies is pretty easy. The problem is that they just make they just like make four more. or five zombies exactly. every single turn. And so Golos being a thing that can you know like it got to the point where Scapeshift was the worst card in the Scapeshift deck. And people were cutting it even before it rotated. Yeah, sometimes. exactly. So. Uh, uh, it is a bit of a oversight, a little bit of a problem, and so I would not be shocked to see it. Uh, yeah, it's just head the way of the Ferocidon. So, like dangerous artifacts are always extra dangerous because any deck can just jam them. Like we were talking about with Karn the Great Creator, he's mm-hmm. not an artifact, but yeah. colorless cards. Yeah. Uh, dangerous lands even worse. Yep, because it's super hard to interact with them. You can't counter them. Yep, they generally don't print efficient ways <laughs> to destroy them. So back to cool Eldrain stuff. Man, this deck. Yeah, this is a cool <clears throat> one. So so Fires of Invention is starting to get played in Modern. Um, I was watching LSV stream the other day. He was streaming a Taking Turns deck with Fire of Invention. Yeah, with you get to Savor play, the Moment. Yeah, you yeah. get to play Savor the Moment. And he was playing the full four Mystic Sanctuary to like sure. rebuy the, the spells. And then a bunch of Planeswalkers is like the win condition, right? Because if you're 
fires allows you to like play fires and Jason the same turn or fires and Chandra torture defiance in the same turn or fires and saver and the next turn Jace time war like yeah there's a lot of stuff you can Sanctuary do Jace time war once you're playing yeah. stuff for free right you can play nine yeah plus mana worth of cards in a turn um but uh another this uh list five out on magic online and it is uh it's like a Fires of Invention deck that is using the like as foretold Electro Dominance shell with four Ancestral Vision, four Crashing Footfalls, and then three Restore Balance, um, which is something that we ha- kind of hadn't seen in these decks for a little while. But I guess with Fires of Invention, they decided to, this player decided to try it again. I like this one. This one also has three Fae of Wishes. To yeah, be able Fae to of Wishes. Get the, nice other, the other Restore Balance in addition to a bunch of uh, sideboard bullets. Um, yeah. So being able to play your Fires of Invention and immediately play a zero cost of any kind, including Restore Balance, yep. and not really hurting you too much because you have you know Crashing Footfalls and Ancestral Visions where you don't need those lands in play. Right. So that's pretty spectacular. Um, it's, it's a, it's, this is a weird one. Yeah, so, so <laughs> because they're playing Restore Balance, they're playing the four Greater Argodon, so you can sacrifice all your lands and Armageddon your opponent which is like the main thing you do with restore balance, but it also like can destroy all your opponent's creatures. If you have no creatures, if you have like played Simeon spirit guide into fires and then you play restore balance and you only have one card left because you just like dumped your hand because they're playing for Simeon spirit guide as well. Right. uh, Your opponent will discard their hand. Like there's, more fair things you can do with their store balance, but the big one is destroy all your opponent's land. So four greater Gargadon. They've also got four Chalice of the Void because you don't need any one drops, right? And so you can just count your opponent. You're already drops. playing Simeon Spirit Guide, so why not? Yeah, just power it out on turn two. Yeah. Sometimes that's good enough. Also, four Teleria West in this deck, which I really like a lot because it's not a spell, but it gets you a zero cost. Yeah, and so so the Fae of Wishes technology is something that we've seen in Standard a bunch in the Fires of Invention decks um, because you can, like, if you untap with the Fires, you can Fae for anything, play it for free. Um, and then in Standard, you also are often playing, like, one castle Vantress yeah. or something else because you want to find a way to like use your mana because with fires of invention you can only play two spells a turn and generally you're playing them for free so you have right. all these untapped lands if you can find a way to use them you're going to be able to like do things even more efficiently right because you're you're playing two spells for free you have all this mana that you can use on activated abilities like teleria west so you can teleria west for any of your zero costs or you can teleria west for one blast zone which is another thing you can spend your mana on um yeah and yeah i i thought i think teleria west is like a cool way in modern to use your extra mana with fires you know if you're playing yeah. cards you can search with love it you can search for chalice of the void with teleria west too it's nice, nice. and then That's uh yeah like the sideboard fay of witches packet fay of wishes package it's not as spicy as what i often see in uh standard where people are playing like off color weird stuff yeah and like best of one <clears throat> there's where no you don't need a real sideboard right there's no <laughs> casualties of war right <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I played the Jeskai Fires deck in the uh, <laughs> in the like win every card in standard challenge. Yeah, because um, I thought it had like a reasonable Golos matchup, and it was also like an unfair deck that is just good in best of one. Yeah, and so my sideboard was just all like weird black and green cards right. that like I should not be able to cast, but with yeah. fires I can. Like but this land. is just like a fairly normal sideboard. Where, like like you have nothing but red and blue lands in play, and then you play like Garrick, yeah, or something ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Um, Nickel Bolus was the big one. Sure. It, was a, it was a great five drop go. that you could fave wishes for the turn after you play fires. Yep. Um, but yeah, this is like all cards that you might actually sideboard in, but you know, they give you flexibility if you can 
if, if you can, you can fade wishes, wishes for them. Yeah. Cool. Leyline is the only one you can't cast, but you could actually Leyline of Sanctity. Leyline of Sanctity. Yes, yes. Uh, you could fave wishes for it and cast it with fires in play. Sometimes that's going to be good enough. Cool. But yeah, we had another deck. This one stood out to Ruben when yeah. we were scrolling through. Because I'm a I'm a burn gentleman. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about <clears> this deck? So I like red cards. Um, you if, if, for those of you that know me, uh, that I mean, will not come the as mox a ruby. I am the mox ruby. Um, and you know, mono red prowess has sort of replaced r- like red white burn in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, just because of how it matched up against the popular decks of recent memory, uh, specifically against Hogak, um, before Hogak went the way of the Dodo. Uh, but this prowess deck uh, features four Bone Crusher Giant, um, because something about these decks is that sometimes, if you're if you're playing against specifically like the black green full of removal kind of decks, yep. sometimes you run out of gas, and this is a good way. Uh, uh, the adventure mechanic in general is a great way to sort of just draw another card with all of your cards, really. Um, It's a very specific card, but in the case of Bone Crusher Giant, it's a card you want anyway. Yeah. So you're able to have a card that deals damage and not just damage, but unpreventable, like good damage. Yeah. Um, And then get a 4-3 that, oh, by the way, if your opponent tries to kill it, will kill them right back yeah so uh that's a, a great little addition to this package with uh with the the full set of soul scar mages and monastery swift spears alongside the bone crusher giants and oh by the way of course goblin guide um with your general suite of burn spells yeah and what's interesting to me with bone crusher giant in this list is like generally with prowess decks you see like very low cmc because yeah. you want to cast as many spells in a turn as you possibly can so that you can trigger prowess a bunch of times and so Every card in this deck either costs one mana or can cost one mana because we're playing four Light at the Stage, four Rift Bolt, four Skewer the Critics, which all cost three, right? right. But you can cast them all for one. Um, and then all the creatures, Goblin Guide, Monastery, Swiss Spear, Skull, Scar, Mage, are all one drops. You have four Lightning Bolt, one drop, four Seal of Fire, one drop, four Lava Spike, one drop. So everything costs one. So like any extra mana you have, you're spending on Bone Crusher. And it's interesting that like of all the cards you could choose to be like kind of your mana sink late yeah. game card... It's an Eldrain card. It's really, it is really interesting, but, and, and it doesn't even have haste. Yeah. It doesn't deal a ton. It deals two damage for two mana. Yeah. It's, it's a, it, but it's in, it's in, I guess it's in exactly the right kind of spot. The card advantage is powerful enough. Yeah. Um, I, I yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad to see Bone Crusher Giant making a splash in modern because I do think that like it is deceptively powerful. Oh, for sure. Despite being like a three mana creature that doesn't do anything the turn you play it. It like does something the turn before you play it. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> Has super haste in that way, right? Right. And then uh yeah, the, this is 20 lands. I don't know a lot about Mono Red Prowess. Is that like a usual land that count for Mono Red Prowess? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure less, it's or? well you sometimes it's less, but yeah, in this case thinking. in this case we're playing 20 lands with uh four of the horizon can or eight of the horizon canopy lands. Yeah from uh, Modern Horizons. Fiery Islet and Four Sunbaked Canyon. Right. And so um you know, this is uh, every card in the deck costs one, so you don't need a bunch of lands, yeah. Uh, except for Bone Crusher Giant, um, yeah. So, well, so that's what's cool about these lands is like if you have two Bone Crushers in your hand, you are playing, you know, more lands, yeah. so you can make sure you can like cast them in a reasonable amount of time. But if you flood out, which is super easy to do in these decks, you're playing eight yeah. lands that you can sacrifice to draw a card. So it's perfect, yeah. So I, I think like. 
it's interesting that those lands maybe make bone crusher more playable in this type of deck than it normally would be. I agree um, with that, which is cool to see like the, the last year of incredibly powerful sets for modern kind of working together to make three mana four threes possible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we got some goblins. You were excited about this one too. You want to talk about this? What's, yeah, what's new I mean, in, go- in the goblins world? So not a ton is brand new in the goblins world, but Modern there, Horizons was a big <clears> set for goblins, right? Oh yeah. Right? I mean, you have, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, munitions expert and yeah. obviously Pashalik Mons also and goblin matron coming into modern. I mean, those are, those are huge pieces for, the, for the goblin. Ringleader was an M20. I kind of forgot I know, right? that Ringleader was an M20. I thought it was in So there was one addition to the goblins deck. Uh, that introduces a brand new color to the Goblins deck, really, um, into the main deck, I should say, which is Grumgully the Generous as another Goblin Lord making its way into the Goblins deck. Now, Grumgully, uh, for those of you that don't know, is a 3-3 for 3. Each other non-human creature you control enters the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter on it. So that does a couple of interesting things. A lot of the time, your lords are the first things that get targeted, and when they leave, all of those benefits go away. Grumgully lets you have those benefits stick around after Grumgully dies. That's true. So that's that's a hugely important piece of the Grumgully puzzle. The other thing that Grumgully does is uh, combo with Murderous Redcap and a Sack Outlet to be able to just go infinite. Uh, There is one Murderous Redcap and then four Skirk Prospector in this particular Goblins list. Yeah, and the the four Slinging Lieutenant. Yep. Well, one and slinging the, lieutenant. Or yeah, yeah. Sorry, one slinging lieutenant. And yeah, the like uh, the the four goblin ringleader and four goblin matron in this deck help you find your combo pieces. Even though you're only playing one of each, and it feels like clunky to like maybe assemble this three card combo made mostly of one ofs. Uh, you have like a ton of you know ways to dig through your deck or to search your yeah. deck to find these cards. I mean, there was a long time, and I mean like three years in Legacy where the best card advantage card in the entire format was Goblin Ringleader. Yeah. Goblins was the, the deck that drew the most cards. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, so this is not... format full of, like, Brainstorms and blue decks. Right, but Brainstorm draws a card. Yeah. Right? Jace draws, draws a, a card. card yeah. Right? Yeah. So those decks weren't carded. They weren't playing Factor Fiction. They yeah. weren't playing Deep Analysis. And they still aren't. They I mean, still a lot aren't. of the time in Legacy, you see a lot of cards, right. and then you run out because right. all your cards cost one and you played them all. <laughs> and then as it turns out, Ringleader was not replaced in terms of card advantage by any blue card. It was later, this was when Regal Force drew a bunch of cards. Yeah. So it's always been that way. Um, and now it's porting into Modern, which I think is a really good, uh, uh, healthy thing that Wizards has decided they want to try to do. I'm looking forward to Goblins being a staple of a format at some point somewhere. I would really like for that Yeah, to we're seeing there. a lot of them pop up. I actually saw another interesting Goblins list um, that was playing the the two mana goblin from modern horizons with persist this is a two mana two two mm, one okay. in a black i don't remember the name of the card off the top of my head which sure. is unfortunate i'm usually the card rememberer on the show but uh it um putrid goblin no putrid goblin is one that gives minus one minus one to something when it dies mm. i don't know something like that and it uh they were playing four of those uh which also goes infinite with grumgully in a sack outlet but it doesn't kill them the way red cap does um so if you have a Skirk Prospector, you will get infinite mana yeah. with Grumgully, which is maybe enough to win. Uh, but if it's not, it, it kills them with... Um, Slinking. Slinging or Pashlik Mons. So Slinging, oh, sure. you can sack it infinite times or with Pashlik Mons in play. Um, and then it was like a similar shell of like four Matron. I don't remember if it was playing four Ringleader, but it was sure. playing at least three because I don't think you can go below that. Of course. Um, and then, you know, 
various one of utility goblins and mog war marshals and yeah. munitions experts and all that. Um, but I thought it was interesting that it was like a little bit more in all, all in on the combo versus this deck where this deck is playing one persist creature, one grum gully. And that deck was playing four persist creatures. And I think it was playing more than one grum gully. It's too bad that I didn't bring it up before the episode because mm. I didn't anticipate wanting to talk about it. But since in we're on the case. subject of goblins, I saw yeah. a cool one. Um, so yeah, it'll be cool that grum gully is now an option and that goblins players kind of, can figure out what the best configuration of the deck is. I Yeah, I really like goblins quite a bit. I think that if I were to play in a modern tournament, as much as I love Mono Red Prowess and I love Burn, I think goblins might be the deck that I would play. Just because yeah, I don't that? get to play as often as I like, yeah. and it's so fun. Yeah. Um, I like to draw cards and I like to play mountains and so ringleader. Nobody does those things better than goblins. It's, it's, and it just, it just warms my heart is what it does. Ooh, this was a cool one. So we're going to, we're going out with a bang here, right? Is this the last deck? This is the last deck that I pulled up. Yeah. So, so this is a, this deck is weird. We were talking about like after the faithless looting band, we were talking about on the cast, what we thought, um, was actually going to be dead when Faithless Looting got banned. We didn't think Phoenix was. Turns out it mostly it is. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I think Phoenix is a very powerful card, and I think that there's potential for it. There's um, There was a recent Phoenix deck that is like almost mono blue that has Phoenix and Creeping Chill that is now like a Drowned Secrets deck. It's just, it was so, a standard like, deck, wasn't it? Uh, that might have been a standard deck. But yeah, I mean, people have been been experimenting with just self mill, like mono blue kind of self mill stuff yeah. with Tome Scour and um, just the various other super powerful. And I guess Drowned Secrets is cheap enough to see playing modern. Maybe it's possible. Uh, um, but yeah, just like Arc Light Phoenix alongside Narc Amoebas and and Creeping Chills and things that just put things into your graveyard. Um, so it's possible, but you're right. Uh, Phoenix definitely took a huge nosedive. Yeah, I mean we we've got like the Royal Scions. Maybe you're like a more mid rangey like Drake's style deck, like right. what Phoenix was getting played in, in, in standard. Right. And like you have chart of course haggle, like it's not, it hasn't quite come together that we've seen yet. I still think it could have legs, but for now it's, it's dead. It's yeah. not putting up results. Nobody's playing it. It's right. uh but, um, so that was one we missed. We knew dredge would still be around and it is yep. now playing haggle now playing haggle. And, uh, yeah. And, and yeah, merchant of the veil has been a very, uh, good direct replacement for faithless looting. Yeah. And it's an instant. It draws a card like, you know, it draws a not very good card. And, and I, I kind of underestimated adventures a little bit because like you're drawing a not very good card, but sometimes you play it and your opponent just has to answer it. Right. Like if you play merchant of the veil in dredge, yes, it's three mana. Yes. It's a two, three, and it's not really threatening your opponent's life total. But your opponent has to kill it. Yeah, your opponent has yeah. to still has to pay it attention because it will kill them eventually. Just like just like a Snapcaster Mage leaves around a two one body. Right. Eventually, that Snapcaster Mage is just going to kill you if you don't. Yeah, and there's you know. plenty of decks in Modern that have like relied on Snapcaster Mage to kill you. Blue exactly. White Control yep. and Splinter Twin a lot of the time just kill you with a Snapcaster yep. Mage. It's like you want to hold up Counter Magic for my Splinter Twin every turn. Take two, take two, yep. take two. Um, and Merchant of the Veil does the same thing, but it also in Dredge in particular allows you to just like dredge more every yeah. turn. So exactly. Like, it allows you to, like, rip through your deck at an inefficient rate, but one that if your opponent doesn't stop you, you are going to win. Right. So it, it like, these adventure cards are, are really cool. And Murderous Rider is the same thing. Like, I, I kind of underestimated because I thought the two life would be relevant in a lot of situations. Um, but the fact that, like, in matchups where the two life is going to be relevant, you could just play, play a 2-3 two, three three with, with lifelink. Life yeah. 
like burn has to like attack into that or they have to spend a bolt on it or something yeah. and it's going to set them back. Like, right. it's um, great. we went way off topic. Oh, so we were talking about decks that faithless looting, uh, that would be killed by faithless looting getting banned. One of them we thought would be dead. And I think we mentioned on the cast was, uh, was Goria's vengeance because without being like having that turn one way to dig for combo pieces and dump them in the graveyard with like that level of consistency, we thought that this like kind of clunky deck just wasn't going to make it. Mm. Uh, but it turns out there is a Goryo's Vengeance deck that five owed and the way that they're doing it now is with Ilharg the Razebor. It's a Goryo's Vengeance target that you can bring in to put a creature from your hand into play, an Emrakul or a Greaselbrand. So like if you don't have one of those in your opener, you can discard Nilharg later. You can put it into play even without discard. So it right. kind of allows you to get around discard. But also it only costs five mana. Yeah. Like you can just cast Ilharg and attack with it. Right. And this deck is doing that in in uh, with Pentad Prism and with um, Generator Servant. <laughs> Generator um, Servant is a sweet one. Yeah. I'm going to explain it because I have to imagine a lot of... Uh, listeners haven't seen this card it's a uh, i know about it because of limited actually but <laughs> yeah, it was it a corset 29th 18 card yeah, something, like, something that. like that uh but it's a it's a two mana two one in red uh it has tap sacrifice it add two colorless mana to your mana pool if that mana is spent on a creature spell it gains haste until in a turn so it'll give your ilharg it'll ramp you to ilharg and give your ilharg haste um on turn three because is- this is a two drop so on turn three, it adds the two mana you need to get to turn to five mana, and you will hark them. Pretty spectacular. Put in a Greasel brand or something and win. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because this deck got rid of the Warburigmos package. I think having to include Generator Servant and Pentad Prism to yeah. try and turn three Ilharg, because it's also playing three Pentad Prism, meant that you had to kind of give up on the like one turn kill Warburigmos plan and yeah. just you know, draw enough cards to win yeah. <laughs> and not just kill them outright. And the other thing that this deck is is doing, and you can see it in the deck building, is it, it does also have a Wishclaw Talisman, yep. which is a Throne of Eldraine card. That, and it, a couple of the main deck targets for it are uh, Blood Moon, which hints to a longer game, and Coligan's Command, which hints to a longer game. That's true. So if you can't through the breach, if you can't Generator Servant, if you can't, you know, get out there, Gorio's turn three, Vengeance, yeah. then... You have these longer game options. Playing two thought seeds, two collective brutality, collective brutality being another way to get a creature in your graveyard. For insolent neonate is the looting replacement. Yep. I don't know uh, if I actually like that better than uh, Haggle in this deck. So, yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I think that the reason why is because Coligan's Command can get it back. Ooh, that's probably um, true. That's probably the only reason why the one of Coligan's Command can get it can get back an Insolent Neonate if you really care. I think that you're also very mana hungry. Like, Insolent Neonate allows you to, like, play it on turn one. And, sure. like, if you don't have something to discard, you can just attack with it. Right. And later, you can discard and immediately Gorios in the same yeah, turn. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which is maybe a benefit of it. Like it, it can sit out there, like you can invest the man on a previous turn, whereas haggle, you have to immediately be, have something to discard or else. That's true. Cause like with neonate in particular, you can reanimate Emrakul on turn two right. because you can neonate and then turn two sack neonate to discard Emrakul trigger on okay. the stack. That's, that's Corios. much more. Relevant. I had to talk through it, Yeah. but with haggle, you can't do that. Cause if yeah. you haggle Emrakul on turn one, it'll shuffle, it'll shuffle and it'll be gone. And on turn two, you can't spend the one mana to haggle. Right. So I guess insolent neonate is the only way to uh, put out Emrakul on turn put on turn two in here. Future, yeah. yeah, cool. But yeah, that's all the decks that we we kind of highlighted from this week. I mean, that's but a lot of decks. It seems like Eldraine is doing good stuff for modern, and I I think there's probably 
stuff here that we didn't even touch on um, in this list of decks. Oh, for sure. Got, There's but... the weird um, Jeskai Ascendancy outcome deck that popped up. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit last year. That's why I didn't highlight it yeah. this week. But, I mean, but, um, but if but you have anything... There's so many decks that we that don't even have new Eldraine cards in it that are just weird and possible to play in this format. Modern is in a great spot right now. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, yeah, so I think that pretty much wraps up the episode we got through all the decks we wanted to talk about we got nice. to talk about modern a little bit uh or eldraine in modern right. in general terms um is there anything in eldraine that you think still can happen in modern so i think the royal scions is being underutilized personally okay. because it is another three mana planeswalker that pluses up to six sure it's not it's not as powerful as oko i'll say sure. which i think is the reason that we're seeing people kind of break outside the box and think of unusual ways to use Oko. Whereas mm -hmm. Royal Scions is still in the phase where it's like, can I make this work in an existing deck? Which right. is what we're seeing with Grixis Death Shadow or kind of like blue, red, Dread Horror Arcanist decks, which mm -hmm. have never been like incredibly mainstream and modern, but it's something that people have been trying for a while. Um, I do think that Royal Scions has more potential than that. And I think that if, you know, somebody decides to go out on a limb with Royal Scions, I think that it, it has potential. Nice. Yeah, I think the only other thing that I I would be interested to see is uh, if Infect can take any of the tools. Specifically, I wanted to see Infect try to go with Embercleave to just get uh like okay. in, just get in there um, because that deck can have a bunch of one ones. So like a like a red like a red Infect. Red Infect because there's a bunch of pump spells. You have the card selection. You can protect your things. It's it's possible. I mean, I'm not the deck building expert for it. But. Sure. Well, that's interesting. Like, you want to be attacking with more creatures um, to make Embercleave cheaper. Yeah. So, what kind of creatures? I, I guess, like, you can attack with a Noble Hierarch if you have to. Right. Although, I guess tapping it for a mana does the same thing. Right. But what... Uh, so, like, what, what kind of stuff do you think we're using to discount Embercleave? So, I mean, the deck does already have a number of... I mean, it's already got Glistener Elf. It's already mm -hmm. got your unblockable... Um, well, that's a blue. So, we're Teamer? We're teamer. Okay, we're teamer. Have to be. Um, a teamer with four inkwell. Uh, Ink moth. Uh, I mean, moth nexus. We we just looked at a, a three color deck with four utopia spell yeah, exactly. and four field of ruin. Right. So this is this so, is not a, not weird right. for modern. Um. Uh. Yeah. So uh, I I think that that's that deck needs to have more stuff like noble hierarch, maybe gilded goose, maybe birds of paradise. Okay. Uh, included paradise, yeah. in the deck that you can be like, all right, I'm gonna swing in with my zero power creatures. Oh, by the way, here's a two mana ember cleave to put on my uh, uh, Glistener Elf or my Blighted Aid. That's uh, interesting. So, you know, it's possible. Um, it's 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 a deck that I always have my eye on. Um, Infect? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, if if you... T Infect has shown that if you take your eye off of it for a minute, it can just kill you. I mean, yeah. like, during the, during the dark times of Hogak, Infect right. was putting up results because sure. it could just, like, Ink Moth Nexus... 10 poison the Hogak decks and they weren't playing interaction. Right, so, right, right. <laughs> and the other one that I'm interested to see is that Emery really hasn't done anything in modern. It's a lot tougher to take advantage of. No, Emery. I mean, we Emery's showing up in a lot of the Wurza decks, usually the, okay. the paradoxical outcome ones. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Fair enough. More so than like the Wurza decks that are playing war of invention. We've been seeing, um, we've been seeing Emery in some of the paradoxical outcome decks. Okay, they, sure. they don't play red for goblin engineer a lot of the time. Cause they're not playing the Thopter sword combo. They just want artifacts in play and they don't want to use the graveyard. Gotcha. That's like the advantage of the paradoxical outcome Urza decks versus the, uh, war decks. The war decks are usually playing Thopter swords. So they mm. need their graveyard. Sure. So they want to play engineer. Um, and the, the paradoxical outcome decks are not looking to rely as heavily on their graveyard. So yeah. they're, 
like playing Emery more as like a value as engine. a value engine. Cool. I mean, Throne clearly has had a lot of impact uh, already on modern uh, and and the older formats. I think it's just a really cool set. I love Eldraine personally. I think it's just yeah, a, a lot of cool so, stuff. It's just a fun and funny and entertaining yeah, it set. Is funny. In addition to being super powerful in, in lots of interesting and different ways. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I heard uh, I was drafting last night and I heard somebody like, oh, I bake your gingerbread man into a pie because mm-hmm. they had like made it a 4-4 or something. Yeah. And they, <laughs> it's just so funny Perfect. to like overhear people playing cards in the set because like they're they're like funny fairy tales, uh, you know, interacting with each other in a way that is fun. So, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so thanks for uh, watching slash listening. Don't forget to. You know, like, comment, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, also, like, comment, subscribe if you're listening to the podcast. It always helps us to have more engagement uh, on our on our podcast and on our videos. Uh, and thanks for watching slash listening. Uh, see you guys next time. Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.